0: Welcome to a night of total terror.
1: Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast. I am your host, Hugh Lloyd, and this is episode 23, Zombie Holocaust. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly ish podcast focusing on horror, sci fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at The Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Like I said, this is episode 23, 23 episodes down, and tonight we are covering Zombie Holocaust. Now, Tonight has a truly, or today, even whenever you're listening to it, has a truly international flavour. But before I introduce my fantastic co host for this episode, let's check out the trailer.
0: The symbol of the sect of keto. You were right. It's the same. Peter. Did they ever make blood sacrifices to this god? Oh, yes, they did, and with human victims. morning i will transplant your brain into one of the cadavers you saw in the other room you will die only to live again in a younger body then you can tell me if the operation was a success what it's like to pass from life to death and death to life disturbing me, performed removal of vocal cords.
1: Are back and I am joined by a very, very special guest. Um, all the way from Australia, the, the undead Wookiee is now truly international. Um, I am joined by Mr. Schlock Horror himself. Paul, how are you doing, Paul?
2: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm not so bad. And as always, we're going to pretend that we haven't had a ten-minute conversation and fifty minutes of dicking around with Skype before we've pressed record. So, <laughs> the magic of uh, the magic of podcasting. Yes,
2: the trials and tribulations.
0: It <laughs> seems
1: Now we are here, as we've you know said it previously, is that we are here to talk about zombie holocaust from 1980 but before we dive into that um first of all because it's your first time on the show we like to sort of find out a little bit about our co-hosts and a bit about our guests um can you please tell our audience who are clearly listening with bated breath um what got you into horror to start with
2: uh what got me into horror um growing up i actually wasn't a big fan of horror at all um i was actually quite terrified of horror i worked in a video store from the ages of 14 until i was 18 and i sort of got into horror that way i had no interest in it growing up but uh being in the video store for five years i believe it was um yeah i just started printing horror films and then i that's how i got into it
1: nice nice so if you you know what was your what was your defining horror moment then what was the one that made it really click for you
2: uh I would say Jaws. I nice. think when my dad showed me it as a child, um it <laughs> terrified me. And being and being from Australia and growing up right next to the beach, um, I don't think I went in the water for about a year <laughs> after seeing Jaws. But um yeah, it was probably the first movie that really terrified me and got me interested in horror.
1: Right. I mean Jaws is a is a phenomenal film. Um and I'm oh, it's I, fantastic. And I'm always dubious of anybody who plays a cello now. So um, it is a, it, you know, it's a great, great film. And it's, you know, it is, you know, people say, rightly so hold it up as a classic of cinema. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, that people don't sort of automatically recognize Jaws as a horror
2: yeah, I don't get that. A man-eating shark. Yeah, that, says, that screams horror to me.
1: I mean, and in so many ways, it, sort of, it has the classic slasher elements, doesn't it? You know, you could even say exactly. it has, because we are talking Italian horror, It ha- even it has that sort of elements of the giallo to it where you get the unseen killer.
2: Exactly. Oh, hunting down its victims.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit awkward for a shark to have a black glove, but... Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh but yeah it does have that have those great great moments now obviously i've mentioned you on the show before but now you have a fantastic blog um and i really really enjoy having a read so tell the listeners a little bit about your blog what's uh you know how long you've been going what you know what you've got on there you know what started it all off for you
2: yeah. Um, I, I've been a big reader of bloody disgusting and all those type of blog, uh, sorry, those type of websites ever since I was about 15 years of age. Mm. Um, obviously, as I said, I wasn't huge on horror, but I always read the websites and I've always wanted to have a blog. Um, back when I was about 20, I had a little blog going and then I got rid of it cause I just didn't think I was, um, all that good at writing. But, um, just last year when I was living in the UK, uh, to pass the time, I decided to, yeah, just create my blog, schlockhorror.com. And yeah, it's just in a place where I can vent and let my <laughs> thoughts out about all, all types of horror movies.
1: No, and I got to say, guys, it is a great, great blog. It is well worth um, getting over there and listening. So get yourselves, you know, following, read it. It is great. I really, really enjoy it. And in terms of, you know, your oh, thanks, writing man. style, you've got a really good writing style. I think, um, you know, if you think about the sort of. Um, the world that we live in right now more people are getting involved in writing and becoming incredibly successful when they're actually not really trained writers
2: yeah i just um i was gonna say that like i don't consider myself like a a critic or anything like that i'm just a 30 year old aussie bloke who loves horror so (laughs) that's exactly how my writing probably comes across it's probably not even that um great but it's just my thoughts so that's how I do it.
1: I mean, and to be perfectly honest with you, I think that is, you know, in terms of, you know, don't get me wrong, there are some brilliant writers out there, um, you know, and I'll plug some, you know, one, one of my favorites at the end. But sometimes I think it's all about just getting out there and doing it. And yeah, exactly. How you feel about something. And it's your opinion. And yeah, exactly. You know, and I think that's important. I do think sometimes there is a little bit, little bit of snobbery out there. Um, but I don't think there's absolutely anything wrong with getting out there and giving it. It's like this podcast. I mean, it took, like I said, it, you know, it took me a while to pluck up the courage and uh, put my dulcet tones on the air. But it, you know, I, I'm completely hooked. I love, you know, I, you know, I love horror. I love cinema. Um, it saves me sending my wife completely round the bend, uh, just <laughs> boring her to tears. So you know, it gives me an opportunity to sort of uh, get my thoughts and feelings out there.
2: Is the wife a big fan of horror, or does she just put up with put up um, with it because of you
1: she, she she I wouldn't say she's she doesn't mind horror um, yep. but my wife has um this amazing ability to just see straight through it and get you know and just sort of go this is crap so um it, you know <laughs> she famously does three words uh, three word reviews of things. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I watched The Void recently, um, I, th- I think I mentioned it last episode. She said it's grounds for divorce. Um... Oh wow! <laughs> I'm not going to say how, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going
2: to say how I felt about it then because I actually really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a like a homage to The Thing and Hellraiser a little bit there. So oh, I
1: mean, it, they threw everything at it. I, 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 you know, there was part of me that really, really enjoyed it. I would have liked a little bit more. Um, a little bit more story, possibly. Um, oh,
2: I'll, I'll totally agree with that. I'll totally agree with that. It might have been light on story and more on practical yeah. effects, and
1: yeah. And I love practical effects. I, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of practical effects. Don't get me wrong. I think Which... C, CGI has a place, but it's so overly used, and when it's done really, really badly, um,
2: takes it, you out of a scene
1: completely, completely. And yeah. I, you know, and like CG, my my biggest pet peeve is well, I got a couple. But one of them is CGI blood.
2: Oh, terrible, terrible! It I just, hate it.
1: It just does not look like blood. It just doesn't no, look not out. at all.
2: And I've got to wonder: it's got to be cheaper to just make a um, bucket of blood than pay a like pay a, an effects company to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, or just, you know, when you've got somebody who's you know low budget indie filmmaking, um, and they start using the you know a you know certain plugin you know effects plugins and those type of things, it just it's jarring, and it takes it out to the scene. And if it's a really, really good build-up, um, and then the punchline is is weak, <laughs> you just think, oh, oh. It's the, yeah. But the void, I thought it was great because you, were, you know, I'm a big Lovecraft fan. I, I'm a, I really, really like H.P. Lovecraft, um, and yeah, yep. I love the fact that you had, you know, you, it was very Lovecraftian. You know, you had John Carpenter in there, you had Hellraiser in there. You, it was all it. You know, it had all the elements but it just didn't quite, it just didn't connect. Just didn't Yeah, I, I
2: get, I totally get that. I I think the same thing, like on story and everything like that, it was pretty weak. But I think because my favorite movie of all time is The Thing, all yes. I could see was the th- like a little homage to The Thing. So that's yeah. maybe why I, um, maybe why I enjoyed it just a little bit more.
1: Well, you know, another, uh, you know, a certain person who does sort of appear, I suppose he's my semi-regular co-host now, Mr. Leighton Winston, he's a big fan of the thing. And we do have, uh, we've got some things in the pipeline for doing a thing episode. Oh, uh, fantastic. So you'll have to come back on and we'll have to talk all things thing.
2: Oh, fantastic. I'll be up for that.
1: Now, before we dive into our our feature review today, uh, where can the good people find you?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you, you guys can find me on Twitter at SchlockHorror. And my website is basically just schlockhorror.com.
1: Nice. Simple and effective. Fantastic. Yes. Now, OK, let's talk zombie holocaust from 1980 yes. or a.k.a. Dr. Butcher MD, which is really confusing. <laughs>
2: yes for me it was especially when i went to imdb to check it out um as zombie holocaust and the poster was dr butcher
1: yeah it's yeah now looking at the you know when we look at the uh, look at the cast i mean it is directed uh, by mariano ghirliami you've got an interesting uh, bit of information and a bit of trivia about the director what
2: have you got yeah um Okay, I was just going to say that um, in his career, it looks like he only made two horror movies. Um, One, My Friend Dr. Jekyll from 1960, and then it took him 20 years later to then do another one, which was obviously the zombie holocaust. Everything else looked like softcore porn and comedies, (laughs) westerns and crime films. He never really actually tackled much horror in his career, which which is weird because this movie is pretty solid, I thought.
1: Yeah, no, no, you know, I, I mean, it's, it, it is, you know, I think you didn't, uh, you know, I think a lot of Italian directors do sort of have a wide range of things. Um, and they all become sort of, sort of, I don't know, sort of, you get a feeling that they're sort of um, jack of all trades but master of none, uh, with the odd exception of I Exactly. Um, I mean, I've, maybe like someone like Dario Gento or something yes, like that, yeah, who yeah.
2: pretty much stuck to horror the entire time.
1: And I mean, even, um, you know, Mario Barva I mean, you know, who is the king of gothic, Italian horror. Um, I mean, he even did some science fiction. I mean, and that was sci-fi horror, but um, he did Planet of the Vampires. Um, And when you look at that, and I know um, Ridley Scott denies it vehemently, but you can clearly see there's a massive influence. Uh, It had a massive influence on Alien, even down to them sort of landing on a a mysterious planet, um, discovering an alien ship and the corpse of a giant alien body and then you know these creature these these alien beings from this planet taking over other people's bodies yeah uh, so it's it's quite a common it's, trait it's,
2: i was going to say it's funny that you mentioned that because i was listening to a podcast recently where they actually brought that movie up and said that alien covenant is almost exactly the same i i personally haven't seen planet of the vampires but it's something that i'll have to look at but yeah, that's what they talked about. How much, or how close that movie was to Alien Covenant.
1: Oh, I mean, Planet of the. I've actually seen Alien Covenant. No, I haven't yet. I haven't. I've sort of. Oh, okay. Uh, I saw Prometheus, and left. Grolin. You didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, yes. No. I, I think <laughs> I want to like it, um, and I'm going to have really? to sit. Down, I actually... I, I'm going to have to sit down and watch it again, um, because I think I was a little bit cruel the first time I saw it. Because I think I wanted Alien, and I didn't get Alien. Yeah. Um so I need to go back and look at it. Um But if you get a chance to see Planet of the Vine, it's so cool. It looks the the costume design in it is so cool. It is it is a really it's it's okay. well worth it. It's well, well, well worth it.
2: I'll definitely have to check it out. It's on the list as about five thousand other movies that I'm gonna review. <laughs>
1: Now like um a number of Italian directors uh and, and I think it's something that they still do today. He directed this film and uh, the pseudonym of Frank Martin.
2: Yes, uh, I've noticed that.
1: I, and I just I don't get it. I really don't get it. I know that there is that sort of the need to um try and sell a film as not being foreign. But actually I think when they when some of the Italian directors changed their names and anglicized their names to sell their films I think it really does take away from it because yeah I like, agree you know you there's a certain reason why you watch Italian horror um or you know there are don't get me wrong there are some more f- you know in terms of the artistic endeavor I think when you look at any of the work by uh, Dario Argento or Mario Bava or any of those guys um you know and including Lucio Fulci I mean Lucio Fulci is probably my favorite um of all the Italian directors um, and don't get me wrong, he made not so many classics, but if he had changed his name to something like, I don't know, Tony Smith, would they still have the same impact? You know? Um, yeah. But then when we look at the cast here, we've got Ian McCulloch. Uh, yep. Uh, Alexandra Cole. And you've got Sherry Buchanan, Peter O'Neill, uh, Donald O'Brien, uh, Decata. Uh, and Walter, I've got no idea how to pronounce his last one, but Walter Patricia, Patricia, or something. He was Doctor Draylock. Um, now, I think sometimes you don't re- always need to give a bit of a synopsis <laughs> for a film, um, uh, but given... this is going
2: to be a difficult one.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, because it's like it's you know, particularly in the UK, this this obviously was marketed on the. Success of um, Zombie Two, or as it was known more widely known as Zombie Flesh Eaters. Yep. Um, but also at the same time, you had the the runner success with all the Cannibal films. Um, so you had uh, Cannibal Ferox, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. You had all these type of things. So obviously they thought, well, Zombie films work, Cannibal films work. Let's put them together. And you kinda get the you know, it, it it's almost like the sort of, you know, the the illegitimate love child of all these different films. Um, even down to the fact that it shares um the same set as zombie flesh eaters. It shares it's, a lot of the cast. <laughs> you know, it's I've got to, I've, yeah, go on. get
2: I was just going to say, I've got to say, though, watching this movie, it feels like there's three or four different movies in one. It yes. actually felt like a complete mix of of cinema, of like horror cinema. There was I even got like a slack, like the beginning, the first 25 minutes yeah. felt almost like a slasher.
1: Yes. Yeah, it does have that feel, doesn't anything? Oh, um, I do love whenever you get an Italian horror film shooting in New York. I absolutely love the fact that nobody's. You, no clearly, nobody has applied for a single permit.
2: No, not at all. <laughs>
1: They've just. It was uh, very, very yeah. guerrilla
2: filmmaking. <laughs> yeah,
1: and they just sort of. Well, we're here now, so we're just going to set the camera up over here and go. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that you know, I, I don't think there's any you know that that scene at the beginning where you've got uh, Alexandra Cole's character. Um, and she's in the car with the anthropologist professor. Um, and they'd sort of, uh, they're discussing of you. You're my best researcher. And you just think, hang on a second. Now I'm not being disrespectful to, uh, Alexander Cole's character, Laurie Ridgeway. Now that I, I find it really difficult to believe that she's actually a doctor of medicine and a doctor of anthropology.
2: Yeah, that was a bit, um, that was a bit, uh, far-fetched I thought. Probably the best looking. Probably the best looking one of all.
1: Yes, and she does spend a lot of this film walking into rooms and then just taking her clothes off.
2: Exactly, especially uh, especially when she arrives at the um, the island. Yeah, <laughs> there's a gratuitous nudity.
1: And 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 uh, the other thing as well, and I think one of the things that sort of you know has I've always really enjoyed about um. Italian cinema is the you know the score um is yeah, usually really is really is really really strong and um you know usually I'm I'm a big fabio frizzi fan I love a lot of w- the work of fabio frizzi um but uh nico fedini um or verdenko sorry uh did the score for this um and what he does is he's he's taken other tracks from another film that he did Um, And again, that's why this film does have a bit of a disjointed feel is he took it from his other film, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, um, which kind of, you know, anytime that the word Emmanuel appears, you kind of get that soft core pornography sort of uh, vibe to it all. And hence, whenever you see um, Alexander Cole's character taking a close, there's always the soft, plinky, plunky music in the background.
2: Yeah, I noticed that. And I read that in the trivia
1: it's, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, and I think who being a doctor of medicine and a doctor of anthropo- uh, anthrop- <laughs> anthropology <laughs> um, it's very early in the morning here. And I'm on my like third cup of coffee and an energy drink. So, and it's my first week back in teaching. So please bear with me. I may just burst into tears at some point. Um, no, that's all right. Cry <laughs> away. Oh, you know, it's, there's no tired, like teacher tired in, in September. There is no. Can I, type, I can only imagine. Honestly, there is. There's nothing quite like it. There's that sort of, you know, you you are caught between two worlds of just wanting to lie down, and thinking I gotta keep moving, otherwise I'll never get back up. Um. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> but I think her holding those two doctorates is right up there with um. What's the Uwe Ball film? with tara reed and christian slater
2: oh alone in the dark
1: alone in the dark and she, isn't she supposed to be some kind of molecular biologist uh yes or how about denise richards
2: as a nuclear physicist in the j that james bond film
1: <laughs> yeah sorry guys i'm calling bullshit on that one <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> there's suspension of disbelief and then there's just taking the fucking piss really you know because i'm you can clearly see and not so much denise richards because she's only slightly better than tara reed's only slightly slightly you could almost hear the cogs whirring whenever tara reed has to deliver any kind of dialogue you know
2: yeah that was that was terrible
1: so yeah i think she, you know uh, Alexandra Cole is pretty much omp. The other thing as well she does at all points in this film, she's always striking some kind of pose.
2: Yes, I noticed that. I think this was more of a fashion show for her.
1: I mean, the furry hat that she wears at one point, that is magnificent. It's like some kind of bare skin sombrero.
2: <laughs> that, exactly.
1: That, that, that was just immense. Anyway, um... <laughs> So, you sort of, you you kind of look at this film, and I mean, basically, like you said, it's got the feel of a slasher movie, then you've got the, you know, the feel of a cannibal movie, and then you do get the zombies who do appear at some point.
2: Yeah, it uh, it felt like a really, really bizarre movie. For me, anyway, this is my, obviously, my first, my first Italian zombie film, so this was probably one of the most bonkers movies I've ever seen.
1: (laughs) I do apologise if it's the first time I, you know, and I've exposed you to the to, to the sort of the the, the the top end of the bottom of the Italian <laughs> horror market. That's that one's on me. Uh, welcome. I'm to definitely, the I'm
2: definitely intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued by um, what else is out there. I'll definitely have to tackle all the
1: others. Oh, I mean, look, you know, you you. I think in terms of. Um, the, you know the the italian zombie horror you, you need to st- uh, i probably should have said you know start off with uh zombie flesh eaters or zombie 2 um and then sort of maybe look at uh, fulci's uh, gates of hell trilogy so you got the beyond um uh you know all those great films in there and I'll, I'll, yeah they, they are brilliant I'm... they're absolutely brilliant
2: yeah, they're they're all they're films that I obviously know about. Um, I see obviously on Twitter a lot of people talking about them and everything like that. Mm. Um, is Zombie Flesh Eater the one with the zombie and the shark in the water? Yes, is that what I'm thinking of? Ah, oh, yes. okay. So I think I may have I may have seen this as a teenager. Yeah, I just can't remember anything other than the zombie biting a shark.
1: Did it? I, and I mean, I love the fact that clearly you know there is no health and safety. Um, oh no no way <laughs> so they just put the stunt man in his makeup threw him in the water with a tiger shark
2: Yeah. oh that would have been hilarious to see it go the other way
1: <laughs> enjoy that one guy they probably would have left it in oh
2: like, yeah no doubt if they can kill animals on screen I'm sure they can kill a human
1: well it has been done um, now interestingly enough I don't know how things worked with you guys in Australia but obviously in the 80s we did have in the UK the absolute lunacy that was the video nasty era. Um,
2: um, yeah, I, I know all about the video nasties in the UK. I don't think Australia was as strict, to be honest. Um, I know that in my time, we've only, I've only ever seen maybe one or two movies banned here in Australia, mm. and, those, and those movies weren't even horror. That was stuff like um, Mysterious Skin. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I've
1: never seen that one.
2: So, like, um, anything to do with, like, child, like, I guess, pedophiles or anything like that. Those are, like, the type of movies that get banned here. Nothing, like, nothing to do with animal killings or anything like that or any video nasty type stuff. It's always those really indie dramas that push the boundaries into almost, yeah, stuff like that.
1: Ah, Right. Because, oddly enough, um, I mean, people lost their minds. Um, in the UK for a period of time about cinema, um, and particularly you know, driven by uh, a certain lady named Mary Whitehouse, who just you know you know has almost become a caricature, in a lot of sense, and that sort of whole cool <laughs> video sort of um, nasty business. But this film never, although it, it never ended up on the, um, it never got listed in the UK as an official video nasty, um, but. It did get seized um, by um, the Cambridge Police uh, uh, de- Department, the Cambridge Police Force. They ended up, they seized it under the Obscene's Publication Act, um, and they dragged the poor guy through court, um, and he got found guilty. <laughs> um, but it did get banned in large parts of Europe. It did get banned in
2: large yeah, parts. Yeah, I read about that.
1: Which, uh, I mean, yes, it is there is lots and lots and lots of sort of um, gore um, and quite visceral gore at times. Um, however, when you do look at it, and you particularly look at it now, um, in terms of some of the effects, let's say some are more effective than others?
2: Yes, I, I have to agree with that. Um, I'm glad that they use practical effects, but, yeah, there's there are some times there where you can clearly see that it's – a little bit more on the fake side, but um, one of the really cool moments in the movie that, that I, I found was where the um, one of the guys gets impaled yes. on the spikes.
1: Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, so I uh... thought that was
2: really effective and well done.
1: Yeah. You still there, Paul? <laughs> Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, there we are. That's better. We're better. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Just sort of went all a little bit robotic there. Yeah, I can and, still hear you. Oh that's okay. That's okay. Um but yeah, no, going back the the guy on the spikes. Um yes. that I mean that that was a fairly impressive that that was that was a fairly impressive uh set piece. Um and yeah. I mean it wasn't just enough that the poor you know, poor guy got impaled. It's then when they started eating him straight off the spikes. <laughs>
2: yes, their own their very own kebab. Yes. Carving him up. <laughs>
1: I mean, he, you, know, that was, you know, that was a very impressive scene. However, the bit that I loved afterwards was they'd taken him off the spikes. Um, they were all arguing, you know, they're all stood around arguing about, you knew about this, you knew that. And then these, you know, these poor sort of, um, I suppose they're almost, um, you know, carrying the guys carrying their, uh, the bag, you know, the luggage and everything else. Um, I suppose they're the yeah, zombie yeah. equivalent of the Star Trek red shirt. Yes, exactly. You know that these, you know, you just, think, you see them straight away and you think, oh man, you are just going to get <laughs> fucked up in so many different ways. Um, and they're having this moment, yeah. and then the one bloke turns around to them and just goes, hurry up and bury your friend. And it's like, oh, you dick. <laughs> you're such a dick. He's just, they, they've, you know, they've probably known each other for years. This guy's probably got a wife. And you're just shouting at them to get him buried quickly. It's. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was terrible.
1: And that is one of the you know, you know, you know, that I think that is something that this film does and it's particularly in terms of writing. Um I think there are moments in here where some of the dialogue is just wonderfully bad.
2: Oh, it's yeah, unintentionally I, I found it unintentionally hilarious, to be honest. A lot of it.
1: There are just I don't know how anybody kept a straight face doing it. But there are some absolute and the fact that you know it's not a great script that everybody starts a sentence with the other character's name. Oh yeah. You know, I think you. What was I going to
2: say? I was going to. I was just going to say that yeah, with this movie as well, I found that there were a lot of. um, Did you find that there were a lot of goofs in the movie? Oh god,
1: there there, there are so um, many.
2: Like there's a scene, there's a scene at the beginning where, um, you know, in the hospital where the guy actually um, is eating um, parts of the like dead victims and everything like that. And <laughs> yeah. he goes and runs and jumps out the window. And as he's falling, when he hits the ground, his arm falls off in the next shot. He's got two arms again. Yeah. I thought that was absolutely
1: <laughs> hilarious. The first time I saw that, I thought, Christ, that's a fall. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and then he, 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 he suddenly he's oh. back together um or there are quite a you know there's what i was the one thing that did disappoint we never got the classic boom in shot moment we never got that's where
2: that's where they kept that's where they kept it i think they drew the line they're happy with dummies for but not a couple of boom shots in there
1: now there is one and i did i and i found this out from my is there I, i i found this i actually and i went back and i did and it took me a couple of goes but it's when um, Ian McCulloch's character is on the boat and he's got the binoculars. Yeah, yeah, binoculars. Because of yeah, course, yeah. trying you know, to look for the island. It, 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 it's a law that in order to find an island, you need binoculars. So you have to, whenever you're stood on a boat, you have to use your binoculars. Um, and what they had was, if you look very, very closely, and because I've, I've got the Blu-ray of this. That's a, <laughs> yes, I bought it on Blu-ray. Um, uh, <laughs> the entire crew is reflected in the binoculars oh no
2: i didn't notice that i'm gonna have to go back and watch that now
1: (laughs) honestly and it's only i mean if i've because i've sadly i've got this on dvd (laughs) and i've got it on blu-ray as well um because i'm a bit of a completist like that but you could on the blu-ray it is crystal clear it's absolutely hilarious it's really really good um, and I mean, going back to sort of, um, there's one, there's one clunking line. Um, it's the doctor where he, you know, where he says the patient screaming, distu- uh, the patient, the patient screaming, disturbing me. Performed, uh, so he performs a removal of the vocal cords, and he's talking about it. It's just, it... <laughs> or the, the other line, I could easily kill you now, but I'm determined to have your brain.
2: Yeah, I had a, I had a good laugh with that one. <laughs>
1: It's just crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Now, there, you know, the, another great uh, scene is where the um, the one character just gets eaten in front of them, where they're all attacked. Um, oh, what's the character's name? Oh, um, he's wearing the army shirt. Oh God, um, I'll have to come on, and he's just essentially they sort of dive on him, and then they pluck his eyes out.
2: Oh that was to me to be honest to me that was the most um terrible scene in terms of just sheer violence yes and just them tearing his eyes out i i felt actually horrible for that character
1: yeah it is um yes. it, it is a sort of um it is a very very um it's a very visceral scene <laughs> and I, you do you do take mo you know a lot of pity for that character now this film obviously um like we said, it's taken all different elements um, of different sort of different zon- genres and sort of marries them up. And we've mentioned at the beginning we've uh, uh, we talked about sort of um, the similarities to Zombie Flesh Eaters. Now, like I said, they shot this on exactly the same set. They used pretty much part. You know, the um, both Ian McCulloch and uh, Decata were in Zombie Flesh Eaters. Both movies um, are set in New York and have the tropical island. Both movies, you know, they, they almost beat for beat, um, the storyline follows it up. And as a result, they did, to, to just add to the confusion of this a little bit more, you've got, it's known as Zombie Holocaust. It's known, it's known as Dr. Butcher MD. But it's also known as Zombie 3. Oh, okay. Okay, so, but to really, really confuse people even more, so bear with me on this. Zombie 2, or Zombie, which is also known as Zombie Flesh Eaters, is also an unofficial prequel to the George A. Romero Dawn of the Dead. Good lord. Okay. No wonder
2: why I was so confused.
1: It gets even better than this, because... This one has also been marketed as Zombie 3. There is also a Zombie Flesh Eaters 2, (laughs) which also got known as Zombie 3 at some point. So your best bet, guys, is if you want to really look this one up, just either use Zombie Holocaust 1980 or Dr. Butcher M.D.,
2: when I was um, I was watching a couple of reviews on Zombie Holocaust and Doctor Butcher. Apparently, with the Doctor Butcher um, version of the film, it's a lot more comedic. I've been I've I've read. Have you seen it at no, all? No, I,
1: I have not seen that. I, I'm going to have to look it up now. I'm going to have to try and track it down and find it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to. There's that sort of. There's that little nerdy voice in me saying, "You really need to see this now." And I, I mean. Trying to make this more comedic, I don't know how.
2: <laughs> yeah, me either.
1: I, I, I don't know how they're going to sort of uh, how they can do that. Now, obviously, this had a much smaller you know you could tell it's, uh, this had a much much smaller budget, um, but we've talked a little bit about some of the things that have sort of uh, stood out for yourself is there anything else that sort of uh, that you really enjoyed about this film that sort of you know made you think oh well yeah i'd quite like to go back and possibly look at some other zombie italian uh, movies or, or in the in the similar vein
2: yeah um one th- one thing that i really loved about this movie itself was that um we basically don't get the normal zombies here the cannibals are the ones that are the flesh eaters, yes. and the zombies are more um like that Haitian type of zombie. Yes, I thought that was really neat. They were like just like slaves in a way.
1: Yeah, which is which when you think about it, you obviously you know people at that time were focusing on um, the dead coming back, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and the, the the sort of the you know that sort of regression back to the Haitian zombie of the you know the sort of the mad doctor. Um, enslaving people and controlling people—that's quite a—you know—that's that does hark back to the very, very beginnings of zombie cinema history, where you've got, yeah exactly um, where you've got the sort of uh, the Bella Lugosi movies of like um, of like white zombie and those type of things.
2: Which, yeah, um, I've, I, I think I've, I think I've seen that one actually. Um, I think that's one of the ones I've actually seen,
1: and it's a great film. It's a yeah, really, it is. I remember really, really enjoying it. I mean, don't get me wrong. In these politically correct days, um, there are some moments that possibly make your toes curl. But um, it, it, you know, when you and I, I I do always, I have a soft spot for Bella Lugosi um, because no matter what he's in, and he has done, he's been in some awful films, some (laughs) terrible, terrible films. But no matter what he was in, he always, always gives his best. And obviously, White Zombie's a little bit earlier on in his career, so he was still sort of, you know, he was he was still quite a sort of finding figure. his footing. Yeah, yeah, but you know, go back. I would recommend to anybody who has an interest in zombie cinema and sort of the history of zombie cinema to go back um, and look at that. In terms of the actual zombies themselves, did you notice anything else about them?
2: Oh, okay, you put me on the spot. Um... No, you're gonna have to tell me. I just thought they were, I just thought they were just normal zombies, minus obviously not quite walking dead
1: type. They seem to only be able to afford the makeup for their face. <laughs> okay, yes, I actually did notice that. The, the, the zombification that. kind of stopped at the neck.
2: I, I, I did notice that actually. Uh, <laughs> now that you pointed it out,
1: which just, uh, well, it. It still makes me chuckle. It still, still makes me chuckle to this, you know, whenever I see it. But at a, at a certain point, they were the sort of slow sh- shuffling zombies. Yep.
2: One of the one of the scenes that I thought was really effective in this movie and it actually um I think it comes down to the score that we were talking about before. Yes. Um when it's first revealed um the zombies and all the savages uh, tend to run away and flee. Yes. I thought I thought that scene was actually genuinely creepy. Not that this I don't think much of this movie at all was was scary, creepy at all. No, but no. that scene that scene was the one scene that actually I thought was very effective.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's sort of, and the, the, the sort of the breathing noise that they make, yes. the, the, the sort of growling, but, you know, I think we sort of, we've sort of alluded to the fact that it is uh, probably one of the, one of the less, and it's a bit more workmanlike, isn't it? Into yes. <laughs> production. It's, you know, it's not, you know, nobody sort of falls out of camera, out of shot at any point it's sort of reasonably Um, well-made, but it does have a few flourishes in it. It Yes, correct. It's sort of, you know, it does have those moments, and I think if the director had sort of capitalised a little bit more on those, I think we would still be talking about this um, in the same way that we talk about Zombie Flesh Eaters and a few others of the class, you know, of that sort of uh, genre. But, I mean, it's sort of, because it, it is a melding of cannibal and zombie movie and i think it could have been just with tightening up on a few areas i think it could have been it could be held as you know right up there with with some of the classics of the italian genre
2: yeah i i agree with that
1: because you get you know you get the sort of you get the the, the shots of the hands ripping into the body you get uh you know you know basically pulling people from limb to limb and yep. you know but it's it just—it's one of those things that just you know you just wish there was just a little bit tighter, in terms of sort of certain elements.
2: Yeah, I think they could have um, tied it up the story a bit as well, made it a bit more maybe cohesive in a way.
1: Well, cohesiveness is is a bit of a you know <laughs> it's something that helps, not always, not always. But very true, very true. <laughs> I mean, anybody who's seen David Lynch's Dune. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still like it. It's not the book um and i know uh you know there's a you know there's a lot of fun, and at some point we are going to be covering dune on the show um and i mean in some ways that film is a you know you can still enjoy it but it is a mess and i think that's very similar to here there's, they've got all these brilliant ideas but they don't quite gel
2: yeah no but i i did i did like that i did like that it Felt like three or four different types of films in the one. I I got to admit, it kept me on my feet in terms of guessing where the movie was actually going to go. Yeah. So as yeah. I said, the slasher, then it kind of turns into like this adventure film where they're trying to get to the island. Then suddenly becomes a cannibal film, yeah. then a zombie film. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the final where they um, take uh, Laurie and try and sacrifice her, and then yeah. she manages to make them. Her, I guess, her slaves in that way. Yeah, well, I, mean, I thought that was,
1: and again, that yeah, was really well done. Yeah, and I mean, they lifted that pretty much uh, from um, Mountain of the Cannibal God, um, which <laughs> stars Ursula uh um, Oh, okay. And uh, it, definitely got to
2: check that one out. Then
1: they, <laughs> they both. Um both Anderson College and Ursulains Anders do have a very, very striking resemblance to each other um and are both partial to taking their clothes off for no apparent reason. Um but they did sort of lift lift that that bit there. But and I think again that's one of the more effective elements of the film.
2: Yeah, I thought I thought so. I thought so too.
1: I mean the other bit that um I, you know, I, I did think was a it was a pretty cool moment is where they used the, mo- the 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 dinghy's engine to uh to cut the zombie up.
2: Oh, that was brilliant. Sh- um, yeah, to shove the motor straight into his face. Yeah. I thought that was a that was a great great gore gag that one.
1: I mean, you know, you can clearly see how these films mind you have influenced other filmmakers. Um and then when you look of course. at, you know, I mean, all you got to do is look at Peter Jackson um and you look at um dead or alive or as it's known sort of i think in the uk it's known as brain dead i don't know whether the which title they used with you guys
2: um, um i'm pretty sure I, at the video store when i was working there it was dead or alive because yeah. i can just remember that remember that cover yeah it was one of those vhs covers that you'll never forget
1: yeah i mean have you seen dead or alive
2: uh, yeah, years ago. It's been a long time. Um, I plan on doing um, a week where I watch all of Peter Jackson's horror movies and review them. It's yeah, I've got
1: to revisit. I, you know, I, I really want Peter Jackson. I would love for Peter Jackson to go back to making those types of films. You know, because... yeah.
2: After the after his Hobbit series, I think he I think he needs to dumb it down a bit and yeah, lose some of the budget and go back to. Because I, I think he, I think he really does well in in horror. So the Frighteners, even yeah. though that was a bit bigger budget, and the effects are really dated, I thought that was a really solid film. Yeah, even like the Love Ones, which was drama, but, yeah. but I thought that was quite quite a well-man.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean the fact that he's he, he, don't get me wrong, his films are always visually impressive. They are really, really visually impressive, but you know his You know, King Kong
0: was. Can we not talk about that?
1: (laughs) It just never ended. It just. Oh, it kept. It kept going.
2: Yeah, I I was. Um, I was one of the people that um was dragged to um the Lord of the Rings trilogy extended editions in cinemas, and it was like a marathon. It was twelve hours. I I really wanted to just like leave. I, oh, I love those movies, but yes. I, I wanted to leave. It was just too full on for me.
1: And I think Return of the King, it's like, "Oh, it's going to finish? No, it's not. Oh, we're going to finish? No, it's not. Oh, no, no, we keep, we're, we're still here.
0: We're still here. <laughs> Seven false sentences.
1: It's, <laughs> it, it, it just, just, it's just like, come on, Peter, finish, end it, end it. Come on, come on. No, no it just keeps going and going and going. Agreed. <laughs> Kind of like this at times, where there's this is extend, any kind of extended dialogue scene. You just think, "Come on, guys, keep moving, keep moving." This film works. Um, Zombie Holocaust, I think, works at its best when the when it when it's in the action, when it when the characters are being chased, um, when it's dealing with the blood and the gore. Um, that's when it's, th- on this that film one. is at its best. I mean, it's um, it does sort of you know this is I think if you're interested in dipping your toes into um the sort of the, the the slightly more extreme end of um sort of italian cinema um i think you know zombie holocaust it doesn't have the it doesn't have the sort of the animal violence it doesn't have the sexual violence or something like cannibal Ferox or cannibal holocaust um you know it does have some you know, I mean, it's probably, I think when we're looking at it, you know, there, is, there are probably three moments of absolute gall, you know, of splatter. Um, and then you've obviously got everybody eating something because you've got to have a close-up of it, it. You know, if you're going to have any cannibalism, you have to have the, you know, the Night of the Living Dead close-up of somebody eating somebody's stomach.
2: <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I actually, I had written down here, um, as I was obviously um, taking notes, I had written here, the 40-minute mark is where things get really, really good. Lots of action, lots of gore and practical effects. Finally, cannibals and zombies.
0: Yeah.
1: and and, and you know, So, yeah. Yeah, and it that's when this film is at its best. It's sort of, you know... Yeah, it, I agree you know, completely. I mean, we... I don't think you can go to. Don't get me wrong. It's not to say that you know. I always I hate bashing actors because for being bad, um, but this cat the cast does go from sort of um, people who are clearly you know. Ian McCulloch is a very very good character actor who has been in a number of stuff. He's been you know he's done a number of. He was in the brilliant original series. Um, uh, on the bbc um that was oh, uh the survivors um when it came, that first came out in the you know the original series of that and he's brilliant in it um and he's a good actor um but some of the cast shall we say maybe um stilted somewhat um, yes and maybe not I think any... a
2: lot, I think a lot of the supporting cast
1: <laughs> yes And I think maybe some of them are not there for acting ability.
2: No, not at all.
1: Maybe more for like two particular character elements that they bring. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you were going to say something then. Oh, no, I
2: was just going to say, I think what makes this even worse is, I don't know if the version you have is really badly dubbed, with oh, the yes. version I watched. Yes. Oh, okay, good. I was going to say, because the screaming and everything isn't matched up to the way the actors <laughs> actually <laughs> scream. So instead of being terrified, I was actually laughing. Yeah. So.
1: And I mean, one of the, you know, one of the things about, um, about sort of horror, that, uh, Italian horror that was being made at this time, lots of the dialogue was done in ADR as well. Uh, yeah. Because obviously you had people who weren't speaking English so you'd have uh british or american actors speaking in english uh, sharing scenes with somebody who's speaking in italian so um you know uh, but then i love bad dubbing i really oh, it, love, it, I, love, I love i really love bad dubbing it's something it that brings just, a
2: cheesy quality to it. it brings a cheesy quality to the movie i will give it that much yeah
1: I, I, it sort of it does give it that sort of oh and i'm going to i'm going to use this word uh but i hate saying it but because it's become such a cliche is grindhousey feel it's got that great oh, yeah. sort of vhs exploitation feel to things oh
2: i completely agree on that
1: one um and i you know if you go into this if you go into these films knowing exactly what you're going to get you know you're not sort of this is not you know oscar baited material um you look at it for what it is and it is a wonderful mashup of exploitation um cinema um and I love it. I love it. I got to be honest. I do love it. Um, I think my wife. I've got to admit
2: as well. I think I think I actually quite enjoyed it. And it's the last. I'd say the last probably forty minutes is really really solid. It just as I as I've said before, it just feels like three or four different movies in one. Had they just tied it up a little bit, I think it would have probably been up there with things like. I'm not going to say Dawn of the Dead, but it would have been in the same sort of range of those type of movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it does always get, I mean, whenever you read any, um, there's a brilliant book um, by um, David Flint. um, And he's called his book Zombie Holocaust, um, How the Living Dead Devoured Pop Culture. It's a brilliant book if you're a zombie fan. Get you, you know, it's it's really I'll definitely good. It's, have to look for. It's really interesting, and it's got some fantastic um, sort of stills and different posters and things. Um, but it, you know, it's, so it had its impact on there. But I think it's it's one of those ones that people sort of go, oh, oh right, well, yeah, it's okay. But actually, it's got a lot to offer. It does have a lot to offer. Um, you know, even if you know you just want to look at some horrific extra acting. Um, and I do hope that the extras were paid, um, an additional fee, um, due to the horrific bowl cuts that they were given. Cause oh. those, you know, <laughs> oh, it's, th- you know, that was, that's some badass hairdo there. You know? Yeah, that
2: is, t- I think I had that. I think I had that same haircut when I was in about year three or year four.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um. I, I I remember having a bowl cut at one point and uh, a good friend of mine referred to me as uh, uh, I, uh, sort of looking like a Welsh Samuel hung. Um, so <laughs> there's probably only one other person who will get that, re- you know, possibly other than us right like, now, who gets that reference. Um, so yes, he will laugh at that. And he still laughs at me for having that kind of bowl cut. <laughs> so... In terms of this being your first exposure to Italian horror, how did you find it?
2: I I as I said, I enjoyed it. It's it's cheesy, it's silly. As you've said, it's exploitation grindhousey. But um I think I think the gore was really, really, really solid, a lot of practical effects, and I really did love how they've tried to blend three or four different types of horror genres into one. And for the most part, it were work, it works. Uh, there are, obviously there, are, there are many problems, but yeah, I'm definitely going to, I think I might dedicate one month coming up maybe to try and explore a little bit more of Italian zombie films and stuff like that. Cause I'm sure there's a lot more out there.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it is well worth it. I mean, and I would, like I said, go back and sort of, you know, look at the beyond, um, of gates, you know, the of gates of hell, the city of the living dead, um, is absolutely brilliant it's a br- yeah i definitely want to check that one out city of the living dead is brilliant it makes no sense at times um but it's brilliant and of course you got uh, zombie flesh eaters um it is a very you know and the the other great one is and i know they're not um they're not italian but they're spanish um is the blind dead trilogy um, yeah i've
2: i've heard a few podcasts i've heard like land of the creeps and everything do those yeah, do those yeah. series
0: yeah. yeah
2: and i've always i've always wanted to actually visit them but listening to them talk about it they've said that there's a few versions just like obviously this movie so i just guess i've got to try and find the best version of the film
1: yeah i mean there's a really really cool box set um out there and it's it's in the shape of a coffin uh, okay <laughs> it's it's really really good um the um, but I'm not sure where it is um it you can get them on amazon yeah, yep yeah, yep, yeah. but there are certain versions of it that are out of print
2: oh okay um
1: but I'm, you can I'm pretty sure something
2: like arrow may i think maybe arrow or Something like that, maybe have released it on DVD, but I, I could be wrong. It's been a while since I actually heard the podcast.
1: The, um, I mean, there is a version on YouTube of the first one. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the the, the one with the, the box set that's got a bl- that's in a coffin, um, that's the American import, um, and I think in the UK yep. it's about forty. It's about forty pounds. Um, okay. And that's by Blue Underground.
2: Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's my blue and I might have to, I might have to check it out then.
1: There's another version which isn't in the, um, which isn't in the collection. Which is again, it's about forty pounds again. Um, now, whether I'm not, you've got to be careful because some of them aren't the the are, are the sort of cut down versions. So, I'm particularly yeah. with the first film, there's a version of it that doesn't have all the gore and everything else. And there's another, and then there's a version out there somewhere that does. So, you got it. I'd always recommend doing a bit of research.
2: Yeah, I, I always, I always do when it comes to stuff like that, because obviously there's so many different versions of many movies. Yeah, I'm not going to. There'd be no point in getting a zombie movie and having it all cut out. Yeah, you go yeah. into that watching the you want wanting to watch the gore. So definitely, we'll have to hunt that one down.
1: Yeah, and when you do, let us know because we'll you know we'll try and we'll try and set, arrange it so that we can. Uh, We'll have another episode where we look at the Blind Dead, or uh, or some of the other Italian stuff. All that right, be fantastic. Because I know. Um, our... Can I? Uh... Yeah, go. On. Go ahead.
2: Oh no, 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 no! I was just going to say. Um, I was going to come back to Zombie Holocaust for a second. Yeah. Because yeah. I had a note here. Um, there's a scene. Uh, there's a There's a scene early on where Laurie opens her fridge, and there's a quick zoom in on uh, meat. Yes. Um, I'm not too sure if you actually remember this scene, but. Yes there's this haunting music that as the camera zooms in on the meet and then the doorbell rings, and it's it's like they they go to set something up, and <laughs> yes. they never actually follow through with it. yeah, i was I to myself, what was that all about? yeah, I, I <laughs> mean, it never it, I don't think it ever comes back or
1: plays with it. No, I think they sort of played with the, I think originally, I, and you get the idea that this you know maybe she was going to be set up as maybe the film's major villain um oh I, I but then i think halfway through they went okay. uh no we won't bother with that and then just threw that story like I, I
2: thought oh uh, yeah that's what i thought i thought uh, maybe they'd filmed it to have it set something up and then halfway through they might, must have run out of money or something and then just yeah just completely changed how the, the direction of the movie okay i'm glad i wasn't the only one that noticed that no, then.
1: and i mean it's a very very common um it's a very common th- you know, thing that happens in, in, in a lot of sort of Euro, Euro horror stuff is that storyline, you know, there are bits of storylines that appear and you go, oh, right, okay, and then they just disappear. I mean, I can't remember. There is a film out there somewhere. I can't, it's got to send me completely over the edge. But when they released it originally, <laughs> they got the, the, the third and final reel mixed up with the second reel um so for years <laughs> people watched characters get killed off and then reappear at the end as if nothing had happened um oh, gotta, oh it's gonna send me over the, I'll, you know I'll, if only there was some way we could look things up um i'll have to i'll have uh, to yeah. try yeah i'll have to track it down um but yeah it's quite a common theme um <laughs> with with euro horror is that you know it's because budgets are so low um, I think they're sort of, you know, thrown together. They made for about three pounds fifty and a packet of fags. Um But that's part of the charm. That is part of the charm. Yeah. So as uh, you said, it
2: adds a kind of grindhouse quality to it, which I thought was which I thought was really neat. It, yeah, it yeah. felt it felt almost personal yes. in a way, if yeah. that makes sense.
1: And I think
0: with the
1: and I mean, it's not a bad thing that we have things like Netflix and we have Amazon Prime and we have all these these other brilliant streaming services now. So we got, you know, so cinema and film is is widely available, um, but I think people are missing out on the experience, particularly. And as you said, you've worked in a video store, the the yeah. joy, the absolute joy and pleasure of going in and renting a film, and sometimes going in there and picking up something that you have no idea idea what you're gonna be picking up. But you see that cover art um and you just think, I have to see this. This could be brilliant. Um and something you know nine times out of Uh, ten it's not. But you know people are missing out on that.
2: Yeah I think kids these days are missing like the joy of actually going to a video store and renting. I used to spend even when I worked in one I, I wouldn't actually rent from my own I would rent from uh, like a blockbuster or something like that because yeah. they always had the uh, biggest selection. But um, yeah, I would spend hours in there just browsing videos and VHS covers and reading all the backs of everything. And yeah, kids these days, they really have missed out yeah. on an experience. Just going to the video store was just as fun as watching the movies themselves.
1: So is there, you know, OK, you, and we're going off topic. We will come back to Zombie Holocaust in a second. Can you think of a film that you went walked into the video store and you had no idea about it and you picked it and it turned out to be an absolute classic?
2: Texas Train's Massacre.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Okay. I, could, I, I can say that off the bat because I remember when I first started working in the video store, as I said um, uh, earlier in the podcast, I wasn't a big fan of horror. And the Australian VHS cover for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. I used to walk past it all the time. And it's the actual scene where Leatherface puts her on a meat hook. Right. And it's that scene that's actually on the VHS cover. And it had – um, so it had like little warning labels all over the VHS cover to warn people under 18 years of age not to rent this and all that kind of stuff. And I – used to walk past it and be absolutely terrified because it was one of those movies that you would hear about yeah. constantly about oh the movie is one of the most goryous movies ever made it's shocking it's terrible this and that and then you actually watch the movie yeah. and there's barely any blood in the movie but no, yeah. that co- that VHS cover was one that terrified me as a as a as a teenager and eventually when the remake came out I went yeah. and watched it And I was like, oh, okay, great movie, just not as terrifying. But it's become one of my all-time favorite movies now. I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it was The Hills of Ice. The Hills of Ice. (laughs) Um, Another great, another great. Oh, I mean, that. Well, like, oh, you don't you don't like it? You... Oh, I love it. I love the. I, I think it's a brilliant film. Oh, okay, good. Um, <laughs> but that, and I, I, I quite like the remake as well. I think the the first. I remake, absolutely love the remake. I think I think it's a really really good film, and I think unfortunately, I think people got a little bit snide when they came to reviewing it. I think it's an absolute. It's a it's brilliant because, as good as the original is, I think it takes that idea and it really jacks up the terror and the horror, and, and you know, it really really goes for it. But yeah. yeah. Um, the the hills of eyes because it had this um, in the it had this bright orange cover um and it had the character of Mars sort of staring out of you so I remember sort of um get it renting that um probably way too young to be renting it from the shut store but it frightened the shit out of me absolutely terrified <laughs> me um i mean and then uh, have you seen part two the hills of the original hills of eyes part two
2: no, but I've, I've heard that's oh. um, one of Wes Craven's, I've heard that's one of Wes Craven's worst.
1: It's one is, of his, is that completely wrong? I think it's one of his lesser <laughs> works, being polite. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's, it's a stinker. It's a stinker. Oh, it's a stinker. I'm definitely oh. going
2: to have to check it out when I review the series.
1: It is. So swinging back round to Zombie Holocaust, what are your final thoughts on Zombie Holocaust? I would say that
2: for my first experience, it's it's a lot of fun. As I said, it's a bit of a mishmash of ideas, but I really would recommend it just to see just how bonkers and insane this movie is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, here um, on The Undead Rookie, we do score films, so out of 10, what would you give this bad boy?
2: I'd give it a 7
1: out of 10. Excellent. Do you know what? That's that is exactly where I'm coming in. It's for me, it's a seven out of ten. I would love to be able to give this but you you just can't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You just can't. Um, You know, it's.
2: I think I think seven seems fair because obviously, as we've talked about, it's very it's very low budget, but at the same time, there is some great practical effects. Some of the storylines completely just go nowhere, but. I thought it does its best to try and blend all these different genres together. So I think seven out of 10 seems, yeah, seems good.
1: I think it's, I think that's an absolute spot. I mean, in fact, that's pretty much what I was going to say. Um, it's for me, I think there's a lot of nostalgia behind this because I think it's one of those films where you go, Oh my God, this was, you know, this, this, this this was on the video nasty list and it actually turned out. It wasn't, um, (laughs) But it's it's got that sort of oh I should ooh ooh we shouldn't be watching this. But um, for me, like you said, the storylines that don't go anywhere. There are some moments that are just absolute clangers. But the um, like you said, from the forty minute mark, this really gets going, um, and I yeah. think it's a great addition. To, and I think if somebody wants to dip their toe into the extreme end of things, this is a good starting point. To see how you get on with that. Um, I really enjoy it and it's a 7 out of 10 for me. And it's a sort of, for me, because I'm a bit of a completist, um, I'd say own it or maybe rent it, you know? But yeah,
2: definitely, definitely rent it.
1: Yes. So, my good man, our time together here at the Undead rookie is drawing to a close. First of all, I would like to say thank you very much for being on. Um, I yeah, really, no, thanks, really appreciate thank you. it. Um, because I know this is your first time on a podcast.
2: Yes and as I, as as we had many discussions about it I was really nervous and stuff like that but yeah I'm I'm glad you asked me and I'm glad this is the first first podcast because it seems like it's just a, a good chat with a friend so I'm I'm glad you asked me on
1: exactly and please don't be put off by any of the production values <laughs> <far> no, more... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably going to be put off more by my voice when I hear
2: it back when it when it gets released Honestly, but anyway
1: pa- I'd you know, love to have you back on again. Uh, you've absolutely Fantastic. knocked this one out of the park. It's been a pleasure yes. having you on. Once again, oh, would you, you. like to let the kind viewers, you know, the good viewers know where they can find you?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, just find me on Twitter at schlockhorror. And you can also visit my blog at schlockhorror.com.
1: Well, once again, Paul, thank you very much for being on. I really appreciate it. And I'd love to have you on again soon.
2: Uh, thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot. No have worries. a good
1: one. Take care, pal. Take care. Say ya. Bye. Once again, I want to say a massive thank you to Paul for being on. Um, it was a real privilege to have him on. I'm a big fan of uh, his blog and his uh, his reviews. Guys, get yourselves over to, uh, to Schlock Horror. It's well worth it. And uh, I hope that we can get Paul on again very, very soon. Now... One of the things that I would like to take a little bit of time to mention, and I won't waste too much of your time, because we're going to get right into uh, what the Wookiee watched very, very soon, but I would like to say that you can now, that's right, listen to this, I have finally got my lazy ass into gear, and the Undead Wookiee is now, hang on, wait for it, is now on iTunes. That's right, we have, well, we, I, have finally got the show up, um, you, so you can now follow at YouTube you can now subscribe to the show on iTunes, please 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 leave us some nice feedback to get us uh, out there a little bit more, some five stars would be wonderful Um, you so you can follow us on iTunes and subscribe, you can follow us and subscribe on YouTube and you can also go to SoundCloud and uh, follow us and subscribe so you can now take the show with you wherever you go that's right. I can irritate you wherever you are in the world. So first of all, um, before we dive in, um, I, you know, we're still going to be put the show on YouTube, so you're going to still get to see all the uh, all the great trailers, um, but there's just more ways for you now to uh, to view the show. So uh, I tell you what, enough of the admin stuff, but it's really really important, and I'll put some st- more stuff at the end of the show. Um, let's dive straight into what the Wookiee watched. Now, first up from 1989 is Robot Jocks Let's have a look at that trailer
0: It's a new age of combat Human beings Genetically engineered to be the best fighters in history. Two champions. It isn't over until someone wins. (coughs) At war with each other. I have already killed you. Two invincible men. Let's finish it, Alexander, here now. The ultimate killing machines. I'm gonna get in this thing, and I'm gonna kick your. (gunshot) I'm <gunshot> sorry.
1: Absolutely love that trailer. Um, I can't tell you um, how happy hearing that trailer makes me. Um, It is very, very much (laughs) the sound of my childhood or misspent youth in the video store. Um, Yes, so that's Robot Jocks from 1989. Um, It is directed by Stuart Gordon of Reanimator fame. Um, It's written by Stuart Gordon and joe haldeman it stars gary graham now some of you would remember gary graham from well he's been he's done loads and loads and loads but i always think of him from the um alien nation uh tv series um it stars Anne marie johnson it stars paul Kaslow, uh michael aldridge and danny Camacona. I, I hope i haven't mispronounced that um but i think that's danny Camacona. Now what's the story well it's quite a simple story. following World War three, war has been outlawed. instead, countries now battle each other in single combat using large robots called robot jocks um, like I said, as a kid, I absolutely loved this film <laughs> um, um, and in some ways it is perfect for my you know it's perfect for a nine year old it's fast pace paced it's loud it's got robots um you know smashing lumps out of each other um it has far more heart and soul than the recent michael bay dreck um so um yeah i loved i really really loved this film and i was really really excited to revisit it now the question is does this film stand up upon viewing through more mature eyes uh, not by much but you know slightly more mature eyes um well, well yes it does in a, in a lot of ways it's a very well put together film um it's a small budget um the script is not spectacular some of the dialogue is awful um and the actors performance range from awful to gurning into okay um but is it still entertaining and for me yes it is i think the stop motion um, effects are really really good and when the action gets going it's, it's perfect. Um, it's not a very long film. I think it's about 89 minutes. Um, but just switch off your brain. Let, um, you know, just, just go back to that wonder, the, the, those wonderful video shop days where you just saw a, a cool-looking cover, you thought that's an awesome premise, and you gave it a go. Um, for me, this is a 5 out of 10. Okay and we are staying with 1989 for this, uh, for this next gem um, and this is Deep Star 6 let's have a look at that
0: trailer Below the surface of the sea Far Far below In impenetrable darkness At unimaginable pressure No form of life we know could possibly exist. Here, there is only silence. And the crew of Deep Star Six. Six months at the bottom of the ocean. It's more than I'm bargained for. They are explorers.
1: Let's bring it aboard
0: and get the hell out of here.
1: What's the matter, you gonna let a few ugly fish, Gary?
0: They are invaders. Okay, boys and girls, don't try this at home. In a world which no human being has ever entered. Don't contact down here. I'd like to go out take a look. Contact closing. 300 meters. What the hell is that? 250. Look at that mother. 200 meters. 150 meters. I think we're in big trouble, boss. 100 meters. Get the hell out of here! Now, they are about to make a startling discovery. Not all aliens come from space. <laughs> Six. We're going to have to go back down there. I think he'll have our crew. Damn it, there's something in the... Save your last breath to scream. Hey, they made it. Deep Star Six. From the creator of Friday the 13th, Deep Star Six.
1: Now, you know how much I love a trailer here at the Undead Wookiee, and that is quite possibly one of my favourite trailers of all time. (laughs) I loved it. That is a proper trailer, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And it's a shame that we don't get those types of trailers anymore. Um, Now, so let's talk about Deep Star Sex from 1989. It is directed, of course, by the infamous Sean S. Cunningham. It is written by Lewis Abernathy and George and Jeff, sorry, not George Miller, it's Jeff Miller. It stars uh, Greg Evergard, uh, Nancy uh, Everhart, Torrin Bloquet, uh, Miguel Ferreira, the late, great uh, Miguel Ferreira, uh, Nia Peoples, uh, Matt McCoy, Cindy Pickock, and Mario Werners. And what's the story behind this? Well, quite simply, we have got a crew of underwater construction workers and geologists and scientists and they're building a uh, sort of experimental nuclear missile base um, and unfortunately for them whilst uh, blasting a cavern they disturb a creature who soon threatens to destroy the base and eventually kill them um, again Deep Star Six is another film that I watched continuously on VHS, I absolutely loved it. Um, but again, does it hold up? And quite simply, yes, it does. I think Deep Star Six is such an underrated horror film. Um, it is a well directed, uh, well acted. Um, the the creature effects at times, okay, maybe the budget does catch up with it at some moments, but it has got some absolutely phenomenal scenes in it. Um, I really, really, really like this film. Some people may think, oh, well, you've got your nostalgia goggles on. I don't care. Um, I think this is a film that should be seen. I think everybody should go out there and see it. Look, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a very, very good um, horror movie. And uh, I re- I've i got it on DVD. Um, I had to get it as a US import, though. Um, but it is a great great film i really really like it and uh i'm gonna be using you know i'm gonna be putting a more mature head on it and i'm gonna be giving this one a 7.5 out of 10 (laughs) so next up i think it would be uh, a miss of the undead wookiee to not um cover something by the late great uh toby hooper and uh, in this segment, and we're probably going to come back and cover this film most likely in uh, in much bigger details. Um, but I think um, we need to mention it um, and give it a little bit of a nod and give it some love and get you know and and just remind people of how fantastic Toby Hooper was and what he gave us. And as my little nod and thank you to him, um, let's have a look at the trailer for nineteen. 19- 79's Salem's Lot.
0: Ben Mears has been away too long. And now at last, he's come home. The men fought at Valley Forge. Daddy, come back safe. Home to the childhood memories, to the old familiar faces, to a life unmolested by time.
1: And with your saints, let him rejoice in your presence forever. We ask it
0: through Christ our Lord, amen. Home to Salem's Lot. A town too good to be true. What was that? Did you happen to notice the time when the boys left? We shouldn't have gone through the woods. It's a shortcut. They should have been here half an hour ago. Wait, Danny, wait! Something is happening. Something terrible. Henry! Where's Ralph. Where's your brother? Master <laughs> kid disappears and this. You're not leaving Salem's Lot, are you? I'm not leaving. Don't you understand what's happening? You? Yes, I do. It's in the Marston house. Good evening. I dreamed. You slept there all night? Yeah. A little tired. Didn't sleep much last night. I was dreaming. Somebody out there. Sweet, sweet dreams. I let him in. Well, it's only all just happens since. Since I came here. It wasn't a dream. are creating vampires. The monster wants you. It's a geometric progression. Two times two, times four, times eight. And there's a dead man upstairs. Bill! Yeah, you know, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Look at me. Ned Thebitt's body has disappeared from the morgue. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Bill! Bill! <laughs> And Susan's in there. Run! No! Look at him! Stephen King, the best-selling author of Carrie and the Shining, takes you on a startling journey to Salem's Lot.
1: Of course, that was the trailer for Salem's Lot from 1979. And uh, it was directed by Toe Pooper. It was written by Stephen King based on his novel and a screenplay by Paul Menashe. It stars David Soule, of course, Starsky and Hutch uh, James Mason, Lance Kerwin, Bonnie Bedelia, Jeffrey Lewis, Julia Cobb, Blue Airs, um, it also stars uh, one of my favourite actors, and I think he's a very, very underrated actor, is Fred Lewis. Uh, oh, of so Fred Lewis. <laughs> excuse me. Fred Willard. Um, Sorry, guys. I've had a lot of coffee. Um, Or is it starting to wear off? I've not had enough. I don't know. You decide. <laughs> but, of course, Fred Willard, who I think is a massively underrated um, character actor and seeing him in a slightly different role, a non-comedic role, um, and particularly the scene in his red silk boxer shorts, which is mesmerizing, mesmerizing and uh, terrifying in equal measure. <laughs> now, this is a television movie, um, so it does run slightly longer. And I watched the, t- the television uh, version of it. It did have a theatrical cut. Now, the theatrical cut is a much leaner um, film. Um, but I really enjoyed the TV version of it because you get to spend more time with the characters, um, and there is there is something about this film that uh, really really speaks to me. And I'm in the middle of reading rereading the Stephen King book actually. And although there are bits that are not that are in the book that are not in the film, as always, um, there is the essence of the book is there. Um... I think you know, despite the fact that people say this is a television movie, I think this film stands up um, with any theatrical release, and I think it stands shoulder to shoulder with Hoopers' uh, other films, like uh, of course Texas Chainsaw Massacre, with Eaten Alive. Um, you know, I think it's a great film, and I think it should be celebrated in it. I think um, David Soul, I think, is really really good in it. Um, I think, he, you know, his uh, his portrayal... W- and this is funny, isn't it? that When you read a book, um, you always imagine the characters. But I, for me, I always see the character of Ben Mears looking very much like David Soule, even though his description of the book is slightly different. I um, I still see him, because I think his, his portrayal of uh, Ben Mears is excellent in it. Of course, this film has some classic scenes in it. Um, you know, the boy... The child's scraping on the window outside, floating um but for me it uh, the scene where Jeffrey Lewis is sat um in the rocking chair rocking back and forth um is just terrifying that for me is a is one of the most frightening scenes in the entire film um and I'd forgotten the impact that that scene has um so like I said, we're going to come back to Salem's Lot at some point and really dig deep into that. Um, but for me, um, this is an eight out of ten. It's a must-own, and it is a brilliant piece of uh, piece of TV. Um, so, like I said, you must, you get out there, see it, download it, watch it. You you need to see it. It's a brilliant film. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the wookie watched. So our time together draws to an end. Um, as always, I want to thank everybody who has listened to the show, um, who started downloading the show, who's tweeted, who's taken the time to tweet me to leave comments. Um, honestly, I really, really appreciate it. Um, I love hearing from people. I will always do my best to follow back if you follow on Twitter or. Come to the Facebook page or leave comments. I will always do everything I possibly can uh, to sort of uh, get back to you guys. Um however, there are a couple of people that I really, really need to say massive thanks to um recently because if it wasn't for the effort of these fantastic, wonderful people, um my, this I would never be able been able to get the show onto iTunes. Um so first of all, I want to say a massive a huge shout out to Mr. Christopher Edwards, who is responsible for all of the show art. Um, so everything that you see, all the stuff on the YouTube channel, all the the artwork that you see on iTunes, that is down to Christopher Edwards. Um, I'll make sure that you you know you can you can follow him at Chris Ed on uh, Twitter. He is a very 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 clever man. I also need to say a huge thank you to uh, uh, Mr. Joel Robertson and mr peter nielsen from uh, retro movie geek and again thank you joel for taking the time out um uh, for messaging me and helping me with uh, with some of the issues that i was having i really really appreciate it and peter always love speaking to you online um you know and just thank you just very 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 cool people and uh, of course hoping that joel is nice and safe because uh, he lives in florida and let's hope that uh, he's uh, him and his family are nice and safe over there so again thank you so much Uh, again normal shout outs to uh, Blake over at Spivey Point on Twitter Uh, thank you man thank you for all your support I really appreciate it love uh, love seeing your tweets Um, a man with impeccable film taste as well by the way Uh, my man CJ over at VHS Revival again get yourself over to his blog it's fantastic it's well worth a read Um, again thank you to Paul Uh, for being on the show I can't wait to have you back on man Uh, and again go over to Schlock Horror of course my glamorously gothy gal pal CL Raven they're going to be joining me very very soon I think most likely going to be on the next episode where we're going to be covering the Dead Snow movies Um, you can catch them on their radio show as well at uh, Vitalized Radio Um, it's an online you can if you follow them on Facebook um, you can find the link there for their radio show it's called The Graveyard Shift they talk in all things spectacular, um, and that's on a Friday night 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock they also play some great tunes as well so get yourselves uh, over there so now ladies and gentlemen it's all that's left for me to say is in the immortal words of Count Ducula, "Good night out there whatever you are <laughs> <laughs>